marvellous things. Hey, have we got a couple of testimonies before Bruce comes to share today? Anybody? We've got some baptisms coming up. So um, let's have a couple of good testimonies this morning and then we'll hand over to Bruce. Does anyone that's getting baptised want to say anything? Heather shared an amazing uh, testimony last week. Amen. Yep. How God healed her back. What a blessing. Morning, everyone. Um, I've had light therapy for my dermatitis for since September last year, and um, I don't have to go anymore because the dermatitis has cleared up. I'm not itchy anymore, and it's all thanks to prayer for all the people praying for me here. So. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So this is about um, Lisa's uncle. Um, he's he's um, riddled with cancer. And um, anyway, um, Lynn, Lisa's mum, asked if um, we could pray for him. He's down in um, to, to Ipswich? Ipswich. Ipswich area. And um, so I put um, his, his details on the um, prayer chain yeah. and um, he's, um, he was diagnosed recently with um, cancer in the, um, in the brain. My uncle, not too long ago, gave his life to the Lord. Yeah, just this week. And he also asked my, all of my family, we were just astonished that he wanted to get water baptised. So, yeah, yep, yep. And if you want to pray for him, guys, his name is Robbie. Um, so, Lord, we just thank you for Robbie. You know where he is. You know, Lord, where his heart is, Father God, and he gave his life to you, Jesus. Yeah. Lord, I thank you, Father, for the praying family, Father God, who have stood and believed, Father God, even though things look dark and awful, Father God. But, Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that there, he has a hope and a future, Father God, that is beyond our wildest dreams, Lord God, because he's, Lord, we thank you, Father God, for your healing power. We know that all things are possible through you and that everything can shrink, Father God, does, that does not belong in his body right now. We pray a blessing over him. We speak blessing over his body right now. We thank you for healing and wholeness in his body right now in Jesus' name and Lord let him know your presence right now in Jesus name we thank you Father thank you Lord Amen 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 one last one okay you ready Bruce (laughs) 
Okay, for anyone here who wears glasses, you know how important it is to have them functioning well on your face. If anyone saw me here last Sunday, you would have known that I had broken glasses and I had them actually taped up on the corner because they broke right through the corner here and I was constantly pushing them up on my face because they kept twisting and I have stigmatism so any drop, even half a, half a centimetre, I actually can't see, everything's blurry. And this is the second time my glasses have broken in six months. And the first time I went to get them repaired, I had to sit in there for two hours while they repaired them because the screws are so tiny. And I did try to go shopping, and I'll never do that again because I, w I know what it's like to maybe have macular degeneration or something like that because I physically could not read anything on the cans. I couldn't see a price on anything and I came out quite anxious because I thought if I got anything off the shelves I was really scared that I was going to buy the wrong thing or someone could take my money out of my purse and I wouldn't have even seen it so that's how blind I am without my glasses. So I had um, the gentleman who fixed them the first time he scratched the lens and so they said that they would send up a new set of lenses for me at their cost and they would keep them there at the optometrist. So I haven't had a chance to go in because the whole time I'm thinking two hours, I haven't got the spare two hours to sit there blind and wait for that to be repaired. They broke again last week. I went out and I said, well, they've actually got some lenses there for me, thinking and being prepared to sit there for a little while while they swapped my lenses into new frames. Thank you, Lord. But he pulled out the wrapping and she says... You don't actually have just new lenses here. You have a whole new set of glasses. I was not prepared for that. And I know that was favour from God because I was not looking forward to having to sit there for ages or order another pair and be blind. And it's quite embarrassing being at work with hyperfix stuck down the side of your glasses, which is white, while I'm calling patients in and trying to do all this stuff and trying to push them up on my face because they're sliding down because I'm a nurse for those who don't know and that was really, really tricky. So thank you, Lord, for the favour there. And for anyone else who doesn't know, I have two shifts left this week. I retire at the end of this week. <laughs> woo <-hoo! laughs> You're not retiring, he's just got more fire. <laughs> Come on. Bruce, you're going to have to stand here, otherwise you're going to get more and more people coming. So, Really? I'd just like to thank the Lord for bringing this church to Bundaberg. When Ron and I were looking for somebody, that was somewhere to settle, we, found we went to a lot of churches until we found this one. Uh, and the best part is that we met a lot of lovely born-again Christian people in those churches, and most of them are here. So, <laughs> hallelujah! <laughs> oh, dear. Bless you. It's good to see Joy all healthy, yeah. up and around. Amen. Over to you, Bruce.
Rightio, morning everybody. Yeah, rightio. So the last few months, Tim's been banging on about restoration of New Covenant Christianity. Have you noticed that? Seems to be plugging it, plugging it, plugging it, plugging it. And um, all these good ideas and whatever. Well, this morning I'm here to give it some legs. Right? I'm here to give it some legs. Last week, and again today, he mentioned about the gap between the I know and the I do. Did you hear him say that this morning? And he said that last week as well. So, as you know, I've been a farmer for like forever and a day, and a truck driver, and like, I do stuff. I grow stuff, I make stuff, I move stuff. I'm a practical sort of a person, right? So, what I've got for you today is some practical steps to help you get from I know to I do, right? And I've got 143, no, I've got three steps. <laughs> three steps only, right? Three steps only because it's a proven fact that people remember three things. But once you go past that, they go, oh, I don't know, right? And because I know you are a really expressive sort of people and you love to get moving or whatever, I just want everybody to stand because we've got a really simple way we're going to remember these three steps. So if everybody can stand, right? And to start with, what we need to do is we need to work out, oh, really, does everybody want to go from I know to I do? You know, I remember this bloke who lived a couple of thousand years ago, walked around on earth, and he had this story about some people who built a house on the sand. Remember that? And he said, anybody who hears these words of mine and doesn't do them, he's like this fool who built his house on the sand. There's no fools here, right? No fools here, so we're all keen to move from I know to I do. Right, three practical steps, here we go. Right, we need to know, we need to first of all establish that you know a few things about your body. And... The top of your body, so top, and I want you to lift your hands up like this, both hands, top. Let's try toes and tummy. Right, so we know where that is. Beautiful. What, so we go. One hand out, please, with tummy. We'll need that for later. Right? <laughs> top, toes, tummy. Right, yeah, but that's, that's just to show you where it is. Now, the words you've got to remember for this are... Blinkers, moccasins, fish and chips. Right? They're all totally related, linked in together. They're so easy to remember. So when I go like this, we go. When we go like this, we go. And like this. Ready? Beautiful. The three steps you need to get from I know to I do. Righto, take a seat. Here we go. Rightio. We're going to read a section out of Matthew chapter 14. It's a story that you know really, really well about the feeding of the 5,000. So in Matthew 14, we read these words. If we put these on, we'll read them even better. Rightio. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. This is Matthew 14, verse 13, just if you want to follow. 
When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. The disciples said, But we've only got five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So there was a bit of a crowd. So we're all familiar with that story, aren't we not? All familiar with that story. All right. So... What was this? Blinkers. And do you know what blinkers are? You do? The things on your car. No, they're not. Right. Do you ever watch the horse racing on Saturday afternoon on Channel 7? Oh, you're missing out. You're missing out. Right. Some of the horses you'll see have blinkers on. Right? Why is that? Well, there's a couple of things that we need to understand about eyesight to start with. So if you get your two fingers and put them out here near your ears, you move them around until you can see them, and it's about there. You notice that? About 45 degrees each side of your nose, right? Give or take a degree. A horse, on the other hand, a horse, on the other hand, their eyes are not placed on the front of their head. If you notice, they're on the side. And as a matter of fact, their eyes are eight times larger than our eyes. And their range of vision is 350 degrees. You know, there's 360 in a circle, so there's only like 10 degrees right behind them. You can't, so that's why you never walk up behind a horse straight up behind them, because they can't see you. Not recommended. <laughs> Try it. You'll know why it's not recommended. So hanging up in the barn at my dad's place was a set of blinkers. And they were big, about that size, of leather, one each side of a bridle on a horse. And they were my grandfather's. He had them, because he used to plough with horses. And what they'd do is, some horses would be fine, they wouldn't need them, but other horses, they'd put them on, so that all they did was, it blocked out all that peripheral vision that they've got, and it just blocked them out, so they just watched what they wanted to do, what they had to do, so the forest was straight. Right? Blinkers. So that's what they are. They had to focus on their own furrow, on their own thing that they were doing. Racehorses focus on their own race. That's why they wear blinkers. So what the heck have blinkers got to do with feeding the 5,000? You know, so often we, we read these things and we just read through and we say, oh yeah, he took five loaves and two fishes and fed them. That's the only bit we get out of it. The very first verse said, when Jesus heard what had happened... So what's the context here? If you go up a little bit, it speaks about when John the Baptist was beheaded. And John the Baptist and Jesus had a little bit of a thing going, eh? Because John the Baptist, as you know, prepared the way. And when Jesus came along, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, follow him. And John the Baptist was just beheaded before this time. So when Jesus heard these things, he took off in a boat, 
to get away from the crowds to a solitary place. But the crowds followed him. They said, you go across there, we'll just go around here. Right? They arrived. Now, put yourself in that position. You've just heard that someone who you were really close with has been beheaded. And you want to get away for a while. And when you get to the other side, everybody's here. If that was me, I'd be going, you're kidding. Seriously? I just want a bit of space. That's why I drive trucks, eh? No passengers allowed. Oh, it's great. It's great. Is that blinkers? Is that blinkers? Do we do that sometimes? When we go, seriously? Blinkers when we only think about ourselves or it's only just me. You know, we were coming in this morning, launching it past Joe's Roadhouse. And can you believe it? Somebody pulled out of a driveway on the right-hand side and you could tell the way they pulled out, I'm going, oh, this is going to be an 80k driver for sure. <laughs> True enough. So, was I concerned about their well-being at that point in time? <laughs> How does this affect me? How does this affect me? Does anybody else ever have a drama with that? On the road, on the road, you know those caravans that travel at 85 kilometres an hour and you just can't get past them until there's an overtaking lane and that's the sign that says, please speed up to 100. You've got to be kidding me. Is it only me? Blinkers. So, when we're a baby, baby's vocabulary develops. First word is mum, mum, dad, dad. Closely followed by... No, look at that, hey? You know already what it is. It's no. Blinkers. They say no because I don't want to do that. I want to do something else. It's all about me. So what is it? Blinkers. Blinkers. It's our default position to have blinkers, isn't it? We go back to that because we look at our set, we're concerned about ourselves in everything. Blinkers. It's like they just grow out of the side of your head when you don't even know it. You only focus on yourself. And with blinkers, you can't see anything else that happens around you. Right? You can't see anything else because it's only about me. It's really good if we can recognise when the blinkers are growing on the side of our heads. It's really good. And I notice it a lot, a lot. And generally, you'll find that that's the time that we're not quite as close to God as we should be in that moment of time. And God's provided this amazing ointment that we can apply to stop blinkers growing. It's found in Galatians 5 and 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness and self-control. Hey, when that car pulls out and you know they're going to do 80 and you have patience applied, the blinkers don't grow. When somebody else upsets you, says something, but you have forbearance, you can deal with that, the blinkers don't grow. So when Jesus got across the other side and he saw the crowds, the blinkers didn't grow. No blinkers. So we're adding another word to this. So it's going, blinkers, no. Right? Blinkers, no. Do we need to practice that, people? Blinkers, no. So when you feel the blinkers coming on, when you feel that I'm only thinking about me, you go, well, no. Right? Blinkers, no. So what were the three of them again? Here we go. Right here. So now it's got to be blinkers, no. Marcuson's fish and chips, okay? We're getting there. We're getting there. So we would have went, seriously, can't these people give me a break? But it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. You ever sat on a seat outside shopping centre or whatever and you just see people go to the mall in Sydney and it's just like... And you see, you look at people but you don't really see them. Right? You see a mass of people and that's all you see is the mass. But we read here that when Jesus landed and he saw the great crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sicknesses, their diseases. He looked at them as an individual and he looked at what their problem was. He looked at their situation. He looked at the experience that had got them to where they were. You know, where the moccasins come in? Ancient Indian saying, right? You only understand when you walk a mile in my moccasins. Hey? You only understand when you walk a mile in my moccasins. We have another saying, you know, like, um, whatever it is, something in my, oh, you're not in my shoes or something or other. Similar type thing. But you only understand when you walk a mile in my moccasins. Jesus saw the crowd, saw them for where they were and had compassion on them. So last week, you probably, a lot of people probably passed through your 45 degrees each side of your nose and you saw them. This week, there's probably going to be a heap of people pass through that 45 degrees each side of your nose that you can see. 
How do we look at them? Do we just see people or do we really look to see something about that person, to understand them, to walk a mile in their moccasins? Why am I like I am? Because of the experiences, because God made me this way, but because of the experiences of life. Same with all the other people that you meet. Same with all the other people you meet. Philippians 2 and 4 says, Let each of you look not only on your own interests, but also look on the interests of others. Walk a mile in their moccasins. Walk a mile in their moccasins. Jesus saw the crowd and had compassion. You remove the blinkers and you can see a whole lot more. You remove the blinkers of looking after yourself and you look at the other people around, walk a mile in their moccasins and you begin to understand them. I'd like you to do a little mental exercise now. I'm going to explain to you about a person that I've met in the last couple of months, right? And I want you to draw a picture in your mind of what this person would actually look like. So this person is a professional person that's had 30 years in the career that he's chosen. He operates his own business. Successful, he has a six-figure income. He dresses for success in his career. You're building a picture of this person? Right, a mental picture. The vocabulary used is fitting for his career. He has terminology that only people in his profession really understand. He has three school-aged children. <sighs> he has a car, as well as he has a four-wheel drive Toyota. And have you seen the price of a four-wheel drive Toyota now? Right? <laughs> he also has a side-by-side four-wheel uh, recreational vehicle that he can drive around bush tracks in. He lives, he has a choice of rural properties that he can live in that are off-grid, in amongst the trees, with the birds. Some of them even have water views. And there's sometimes, and he goes to some of these properties, he has one of those places, those bathrooms, you know, that have like that mirrored glass and yet it's all open, he can look straight out on the mountains and the trees and the birds and the water as he's showering. And this bloke's got it made. You've got a picture of him? You even probably can imagine a career that he has. Let me tell you about this other person that I've met. He spent three decades working in the bush, fallen trees. Does his, own, does his own business, makes a fair packet, dresses in a high-vis singlet, got a fairly large gut, hairy shoulders that stick out. I'm serious, this is not a lie. He's got a car and he's got a Toyota which is, doubles as a pantry where he stores his groceries. Right? He's had two failed marriages. He uses a vocabulary that's fitting for someone who works in the forestry industry. Sentences could be a lot shorter if he dropped a large number of adjectives out. Right? 
He lives in a 50-plus-year-old caravan in the bush, in the paddock where he's cutting timber. Sometimes it's near a dam, so he has water views. He has, he has a shower where he can look at the nature as he's showering. He's definitely off-grid. He's got a portable generator. You got a mental picture of that person? Not pretty. It's the same person as the other person I described to you. It's exactly the same person. How often do we look at people but we don't really see the people and the story behind them? And we quite often we grab people and we put them in a box. You know, you probably thought the other bloke was an accountant or a solicitor or something like that because he was a professional and he lived in a rural area. And, but it's the same person. It's the same person. And we never know how that person got to where that person is until we walk a mile in their moccasins. Then we understand. Then we understand. How do you walk a mile in someone else's moccasins? What on earth does that mean? Like, my feet are bigger than yours, how can I fit in yours? It's a really simple, practical thing to start with, is just listen to them. So often we meet somebody and we think, oh, this guy's got a problem, I can fix that, and we just want to jump in and we want to fix it. What these people need is someone to love them, someone to listen to them. Stand there, listen. And this bloke with the high-vis singlet, mate, he can talk because he lives by himself. You've got no one else to talk to, but when I rock in there, he likes to talk and I just let him talk. And how do I know all about his life? Because he tells me. I don't have to ask him, he tells me. He tells me. Jesus saw the crowd he walked in their moccasins and he said, seriously, this one's lame, that one's blind. Had compassion on them. Are we asked to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Mm. Practical steps to get from I know to I do. So it's... <sighs> Blinkers, no. Moccasins, Yes. Fish and chips. righty out. so why have we got fish and chips last? Oh, I bet you could think of a lot of highly spiritual reasons why we'd have fish and chips last. Do you know why we're having fish and chips last? Because I know no one will leave if they know fish and chips are coming, hey? That's why you're still here. righty so fish and chips... So he healed their diseases. Sometimes we like to deal with the big stuff. Hey? And sometimes people have got little stuff that we can deal with as well. And Jesus looked at the crowd and he said, oh yeah, you're lame and you're blind and you've been sick forever. But then he said, the whole lot of you are hungry. Hey? The whole lot of you are hungry. So he goes, let's solve the problem. 
Let's feed them. Let's feed them. And we'd stand back and we go, just like the disciples, we go, whoa, God, have you taken a count on these? Like, there's thousands of them. And if each of them eats two burgers, that's like truckloads. So when we take our blinkers off and we walk in someone else's moccasins, we suddenly start to see this massive amount of stuff needs in the world around us. And we can be like the disciples and go, too big for me, I'm just going home. Hey, send them away, let them sort it seriously. It's been a big day. <sighs> but they go wandering around. Hey, this, this story is found in all four Gospels. Hey, do you think it could be important? Hey, I think so, I think so. So one of the other Gospels tells they found this small boy and he had taken a bit of political license here, but he had fish and chips with him, hey? He had fish and chips. And so when you look around and you see people around and they are in need, spiritual need, physical need, whatever else, you go, it's too big for me. But I'm here to tell you that God doesn't expect you to fix everybody's problem. Right? God fixes them. He doesn't even expect you to deal with everybody's problem that you meet. But He does expect you to deal with some people's problems because He puts them up in front of you. And so... When they went to that boy, he could have quite easily said, Really? What am I going to eat if I give him a fish and chips? I've carried him from home. I'm hungry. I'm a growing boy. Do you ever have those thoughts? If I, if I go and do that, that's going to cost me something. It's going to cost me time, I'm going to have to expend and you know the problem with helping people, sometimes you go and you help people, it's like fixing something on your car, you go on to take something off and then oh you're kidding me, now this is broken and a five minute job becomes a ten hour job and then you've got to, sometimes helping people's like that if you stop there and you go I'll just step in here and I'll help this person but then it's, where's this going to end and you think I'm going to be hungry here and so you go, oh, back out. But God's only asking you to do the next thing. He's not asking you to do everything. And if He does, do you think you're going to be shortchanged? How many baskets of leftovers did they pick up? Just remind me, how many was it? Twelve baskets of leftovers. Do you think the boy went home hungry? Do you people believe that this person called Jehovah Jireh? What does that mean? Tell me provider so if you go and pour out what you've got are you going to be hungry no bible my bible tells me that god is no man's debtor right jehovah jireh so you won't be hungry you won't be hungry then that boy they come to him they said we've got to feed all these people he goes <laughs> i don't have enough for all them You've got to be kidding me. I'm only got my fish and chips. 
I don't have enough for all them. I've got nowhere near enough resources. So you're here today, and you might be a pensioner, and you've retired, and you go, I don't have many resources. How much time have you got? How much time have you got? You know, I work at a job where they gave me six days on and six days off, and they say to me, enjoy your break. I said, I flop and come here for a break. You know, and it is just so awesome because i got six days to do whatever God wants me to do. If you're retired, you're not retired to sit back and waste away till they carry you away. Right? You've got time. You've got time. You mightn't have much money, but if someone needs someone, God says, I need you to give them something. So you have a gyro, you won't be short. And so there wasn't a lot that was given. It was just this one little meal of fish and chips. But what happened? And Jesus took the meal and Jesus blessed the meal and he started breaking it up and he just kept breaking it up and breaking it up and breaking it up and there was more and there was more and there was more. What's the X factor here? Jesus. No matter what you think you've got or what you think you haven't got, if you give it to him, you'll be amazed. You know? What if I gave all I had? A gift like that could change the world. If it looks too big, if it doesn't look like you've got the resources, remember you've got the great God. And he's asking you to do just that one simple thing. You know, I'm reminded of a story of a little boy was walking along a beach and there'd been a big storm that night and there was thousands and thousands and thousands thousands of starfish were washed up on the beach. And he'd walk along, he'd bend down, he'd pick up each one, and he'd go, hoy them back into the ocean. And a man came up and said, seriously, what are you doing? He says, oh, hoying these starfish back in, they've been all washed up. The man says, look at the size of it. You've got no hope. The beach is kilometres long. There's literally thousands of them. You can never do anything to save them all. He says, no. He bent down, he picked up another one, he said, but I sure made a difference to that one, didn't I? I sure made a difference to that one. Who's the one that you'll make a difference to this week? Who's the one? That one person you meet with, that one person you come across with at work, at home, in your retirement village, I don't care where it is, who's that one person? And you might go, but I'm inadequate. I can't do this. I can't do this. You know, I'm a pretty stand-back, sit-in-the-corner sort of person, if you haven't noticed. I'm not really out there a whole lot. And up until only like 12 months ago, I'd never go up to somebody and, and want to pray for them. But, you know, it was amazing when my atheist mate at work, his mother was having amnesia, having um, Alzheimer's, sorry, and her partner was, had cancer and everything else, and he's racing down there, and I said, do you want me to pray for you? He's an atheist, remember? He doesn't even believe there is a God. And he said, yes. And then when 
I did that. This big truck driver hugged me. I'm there in my blue singlet, appearing to be like a big truck driver, and he hugged me. And I love hugs, as you also know. <laughs> right? Because if you think you can't do it, you're kidding yourself. Because why? What have we got in here? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives and works in you, eh? Lives and works in you. That's what we hang on to. It's not us. It's him through us. You know, same thing happened to disciples back in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It starts off a bit there. It says where uh, Paul, um, Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. And it goes on and gives this little recitation about, you know, the same Jesus you crucified and whatever else. And the people were astonished. Verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised they were unschooled, ordinary men. Do we have any ordinary people in here today? We've got a couple. We've got some ordinary people. <sighs> they took note that they had what? Been with Jesus. The key to it all. The three steps, the link between the I know and I do is to know that Jesus is with you all the time. People have said to me, oh, I'm no, I'm no good in going to a situation of talking to somebody who's dying because I never know what to say. And I go, you've got to be kidding me. You just ask God for wisdom. Isn't there a verse in James that says, those who lack wisdom, let them ask? You don't know what you're going to say? You just rely on the Spirit to put the words in your mouth, eh? Put the words in your mouth. Fish and chips, what do you got? What do you got? So it's fish and chips gladly. Let's run through the three steps. It's blinkers, no. Moccasins, yes. Fish and chips, gladly. So music team comes up. We're going to sing a song. And the, the chorus of that song says, I will live to carry your compassion, to love a world that's hating, to be your hands and feet. I'll live to go beyond religion, to see the world be changed. How? By the power of his name. Amen. Thanks. <laughs>